Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with David Berkeley, who's a singer and songwriter based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He regularly performs with Jordan Katz, who's not only part of Employee of the Month's house band, he's also a contributing member of the beautiful theme song that you just heard welcoming this show. Enjoy my interview with David Berkeley, and please do check out his music. He performed live at the Joe's Pub show and um, is on tour, so you can check out his website for more info. I am so excited to be sitting at the Writers Guild with an author, but mainly a singer and songwriter. I think you're best known for singing and I'm not very well known. But if you were to be known... Better would, known. You're better known for your, mm-hmm. your singing and songwriting. Yes. Um, Mr. David Berkeley, welcome. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to start off and just say that I know that your wife is a, a PhD in anthropology, and um, I think it's the only time I've heard of a couple where the person getting doing, oh, sorry, teaching anthropology is the lucrative breadwinner. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and is that because you guys set out to just make, or not you guys, is that because you set out to make art? Um, I think that it's because we both weren't going to compromise what we wanted to do just to try to make sure we could afford to have children. You went to an incredible school and um, your sister is a judge and your parents are very intelligent as far as I've been told. Um, (laughs) That's the word. (laughs) That's the word on the street. (laughs) Did you feel a lot of pressure to succeed in any sort of conventional sense? Yeah, not not really in a in a conventional sense. I mean, my parents they really like my music, and um, they come to a lot of my shows, and um, you know, I think that they're real proud of me. I think that there was probably a, a a subliminal pressure always that I should that I should succeed in whatever I do, but I don't think they cared really what that was. And do you? Did you have any internal? I mean, I, you know, I think that I I certainly put pressure on myself to 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 do as well as I can, but I think that I've kind of shifted my definition of what success is. Um, when did that happen, that the shift mm, occurred? I think maybe like when I realized what, what the music industry was really like. Which and, is what? Well, which is that, you know, the, the, the rewards don't necessarily come for all the right reasons and that it would be really hard to play that game without compromising a lot of what I value. And I think that I, you know, maybe growing up in the family I did and going to Harvard, I, like, I think I can play that game. And, I, and I, I know that side of my soul, and I don't really like it. And so, um, you know, I think it's been an ongoing decision to sort of opt out of that. Which doesn't mean that I don't want to succeed. It just means that I, I have to weigh many more variables than just, you know, some kind of level of fame, I guess. The other problem, though, is that the music industry is, is so constantly shifting now mm-hmm. that everything is really, uh, you know, digital, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you deal... Like, now, how do, does one make money since you, you can't get it from, um, you know, people buying CDs or tapes or anything like that? Tapes. Tapes. Yeah, certainly not from that. <laughs> um, yeah, although I try. <laughs> I have a, a, really, um, a really embarrassing display of merchandise that I bring to my shows, and the, the newest item... Because cassettes is something tempting to bring back, but the newest item is an, I have an apron, a David Berkeley apron that I bring around. Is that to a try huge seller? Sell. No, it, it, do, it doesn't sell at all. How many does your mom have? <laughs> she, actually, I'm not even sure she has one, despite the fact that she 
she like only listens to my music and nothing else. But um, yeah, like anyone, anything comes on, whether it's like in an elevator, or, like at a wedding, or yeah. the opera. She's like, David could do this. Well, so no, much that's better. right. And then often she'll call me and be like, you know, you should try to send your music to this DJ we heard in Hoboken at a bar mitzvah, <laughs> you know, because he's playing this other. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of schemes for me. Now that I think about it, yeah, there's a ton of pressure for well, me to succeed. <laughs> okay, wait. Speaking of schemes, I think I just like the phrase "speaking of." Uh huh. Um, Speaking of schemes, one of the things I also loved is that you will write songs for people. You will tailor custom-made songs. Was that tongue-in-cheek? No, no. That's actually, uh, thank you for getting us back on track, because that's actually how I make money now. Okay, so uh, tell me about that. um, Well, so I guess it's a... So there's a few things that I've that I, I kind of have have started to do. So I'm doing this Kickstarter now, but I did a a fan funding for my record a couple records ago before Kickstarter was that big a thing. So I just did it on my own with my email list and on my website. And uh, you know, at that point, I was trying to figure out all these higher ticket items to offer. And so I decided, well, why not you know offer a private songs or a private concerts for people? Now that's all become a big thing, like private house concerts, and we do those a lot. Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're offering. A they private, do. They do that. A private show. You know, for some of the higher ticket items, maybe for like three thousand dollars, I decided I would I would just write you a song, and you would give me some information about you, and I would put it into into a song. And you know, for some other value, I would come and either sing that song or just perform a normal concert. So that happened, and a number of people took me up on it. Um, one of those people, this is a long answer to your question, but one of those people actually wanted me to. Uh, perform a, a, a private serenade to try to help him win back his girlfriend. So I did that, and, uh, and it turned into the story that we, we told, I told on, on This American Life. Yes. And, uh, and the gist of that story, I don't want to ruin it, but the gist of that story was that, that despite it being a romantic gesture, it was, it was really awkward for all of us. Um, despite that, after that story, I've gotten a lot of calls to do that sort of thing. That's what I was curious about. So I, I really do encourage people to listen to that episode of This American Life because it's so funny. And that's actually how I um, first discovered you um, was hearing the story about yeah. about you trying to help this guy uh, woo his girlfriend, and then he comes at the end with another girlfriend. I think, right? No, he actually showed up just alone. That okay. was how I knew. Yeah, that. It, but I don't. I don't. I don't even want to give you that much because uh, the story has a little arc, you know, and you should be able to go on it on your own. Well, my, my, re- my recalling and misrecalling facts from it yeah. will certainly not <laughs> prevent people from listening to That's the actual true. story. That's true. Yeah, that was hardly a spoiler. <laughs> there was a deer, right? <laughs> no, there were no deers. <laughs> but but, but so, so basically, um, I now have this kind of side arm of my career where I do a lot of these personal calls, where, um, and some of them are for people who want me to write them a song, and, um, and some of them are, are, are these kind of work-for-hires where I have to get called in for a specific job, you know. Um, so I've become sort of a specialist. Like, I, I do a lot of proposals where the guy will hire me to sing while he, or right before he proposes to his girl. Um, and it, that's become... Um, a, and you're a, there. Oh, no, I'm right there. You know, and, and, uh, and, and what's funny is that sometimes the guy has only thought through as much as, like, get David to come because that would be nice, and my girlfriend or my fiance likes his music, but they, he hasn't really thought through more than that, and so he and I tend to like work out the plans. So I, I'm sort of a proposal planner for these couples that I don't know at all, um, and it's it's you know it's it's a strange thing to be like. 
you know, there are people who propose in a big crowd, and that you, there's an anonymity in a big crowd, and then of course many people propose when they're just alone. But three is is a strange number for that because I, I am a large part of these proposals that really I should have no I have no business being part of. How do you charge for that? Uh, I have I have uh, some fees that we've my agent and I have have created. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean it depends like what what the the details are, but. I have I know a lot of comedians who and I've actually done this as well is like write wedding toasts uh -huh, right. and um, speeches and speeches it makes sense and you can sort of figure it out. Yeah. But wedding toasts I remember when I first started getting approached was like a tricky yeah. thing and sure. it, it does take time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is a skill. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize people do that. That's that's interesting because when I hear a great toast that maybe they didn't write it. Well, you're in luck because my sister-in-law batiks hoppas, so if anyone is specifically <laughs> looking... We have a whole package here. I can sing at the proposal, your sister can make the hoppa, and you'll write the test. I mean, it's, it's all set to go, sister-in-law, but yes. But she's a sister-in-love, in too. <laughs> that sounded terrible, and That's I really, how I took really it. like That's how her. I took it, yeah. um, I'm so excited you, you brought up This American Life. I also wanted to ask, you had um, music on CBS's Without a Trace. Mm -hmm. What's, yeah. what's that like as well? Is that a good way for Yeah, no, that's a great way. I mean, it's become a little bit harder and the, the shows don't pay as well and there's so much competition for people trying to pitch their music to these shows. But um, certainly getting, getting your music into shows is great exposure and, and can be a pretty good payday and you don't have to tour to make that money. You get residuals and stuff like that. So that's good. And that was fun to do. Like They sent me the scene and I had to write a song to the scene, um, which... You know, it's a little bit similar to writing these personal songs. You really have to try to get in someone else's head. I've released five studio albums and one live okay. one. Okay. Yeah. So six albums then. Yeah, if you count the live, and then we're doing we're we are recording a new one right now. And so where are you recording this new one? In Chupadero, New Mexico. And that's where the adobe wall yeah, Well, no, the adobe wall is at my house in Santa Fe. That's okay. where we live. And Chupadero is, is you kind of go to the, the northern edge of town, and, uh, and then you kind of keep going into the mountains, and, and it's up there. Sounds, and it's incredible. It sounds so beautiful. I just imagine you with um, the author of The Artist's Way in Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that where she lives? I think so, yeah. <laughs> and you guys are just in workshop. Yeah, it's just day. the two of us out there, yeah. Um, <laughs> Processing your emotions. No, Santa Fe is a really beautiful place if you've not been. I, I, um, I'm working on two sponsorships right now that are neither is going anywhere. One is with the Swell Water Bottle, which I have did right here. Did you just here. do product placement on my no, show? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I feel like you just and, did product and placement And the other is, the, has that not happened before? <laughs> but, but has there ever been someone who used product placement when they weren't getting paid for it? Yeah, me, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the other sponsorship I want is actually just from the city of Santa Fe, because I, I, uh, I have... I talk about Santa Fe at all my shows now, because I think it's, it's such a like, romantic getaway that people often overlook. It feels like you're in a different country. And so just to go for like a couple days, I think for your buck, it's like among the best in America. Was opening for groups like Ben Folds 5 another way to, to make money in the same way of, um, I don't know, having your music on a television mm -hmm. show? Or is it, is it a chance to tour? Yeah, what is I mean, it like it's, opening it, for, for another band? Um, you know, it, it can be great. It can also be hard. It depends really on the band. I've opened for some really amazing people whose audiences uh, were very open to the opening act and then others who really didn't care at all about who the opening act was. And so, um, but, uh, you know, it's a great way to, to expose your music to a whole new audience. And a lot of those people um, do become fans. In fact, I played a, a, a gig last night um, at a place in Washington, and it was easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. just proud because I'm from there. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Um, and it was it was uh, put on by a guy who 
saw me years ago opening for Nickel Creek, and that's how he knew of me. So it definitely is, is a great way. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there are plenty of times where you come out and, and nobody... I, I have, I've come to have a... I don't really open for a lot of people anymore, but I used to, like, right after we got married, literally the day after, so... You and your wife. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, and, and that's good. And my, my trumpet player, Jordan, makes that point a lot. I'll say we, and he <laughs> will whisper to me to clarify that I'm not talking about Jordan and me. Um, but uh, when, when we got married, because there's such a vibe here, I think it's important to clarify. Um, when we, Who will tell a bigger Borscht Belt joke <laughs> sooner? When we got married, uh, I got a call from, from my manager that we, we got married in Vermont on this farm, and I got a call. It seems so out of character for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> How did you choose Vermont over New Hampshire? Oh, well, that was an easy choice. <laughs> Although I, my friends who are Vermonters, um, I was totally screwing around. Now I'm getting a genuine. No, it's question. true. Well, because the Vermonters know the difference. It's big, I see. and and that that was my wedding toast at the wedding that I went to of my dear friends who are Vermonters. As I started by saying, it's so great to be here in the state of New Hampshire, and <laughs> and if you know, that's. That was funny. Um, so I got a call. Uh, it was it was maybe like three o'clock or no. I guess it had to be earlier. Maybe it was noon, and uh, and we were like swimming in a river up in Vermont after we were married. We were leaving for on our honeymoon like in two days, and um, I was asked if I could get to New York to play and open for Dido at the Beacon Theater that night, and that was a huge gig for me. Still is, still would be. Um, and so I said yes before I realized that like it was actually going to be quite complicated to like get down to New York City in three hours and, and make the show, and I had no clothes. I mean, I, I, I had my wedding suit and all of the and friends. And you were in your birthday suit at the time, <laughs> yes, so you're letting exactly. us on now. <laughs> so it was, like, it was a choice. It was like wedding suit. Or, um, and I didn't have my guitar, and, you know, and, so I, and all of the people who I knew who could have gotten me my guitar or clothes were at the wedding still. Like, we were all, they were all up there, and anyone who I could have asked meant that I didn't invite them to the wedding, so I couldn't really call them and be like, I'm at my wedding, I didn't invite you, but can you go get my guitar and meet me at the Beacon Theater? So, um, so I, I'm getting to the answer to your question, um, although I'm not even sure there was a question anymore. But I, we, so I, we, race, we race back from Vermont, and I make, I make the gig, and, and I borrow one of the stagehands' guitars, and someone, my manager's assistant, went and bought me a pair of jeans, and so I like, threw them on. I mean, I just made it, and so, uh, so I, get, I get to the Beacon Theater, the biggest show of my life, and, and this is what I've come to do as an, as an opener, and this is why I'm telling you this story, is I get on the stage, and, and I said, good evening. My name is Dido. <laughs> and there was like this pause, and I just felt like I had just bombed it, you know? And then everybody erupted in laughter, and, and that was good. So if, so if I open for big people, I like to say that, and then I try to like play with them a little bit. Like, oh, you thought, oh, no, not the, oh, the other Don McLean? You thought you were coming? Yeah. Sorry. So, but you don't open for people now because you're really focusing on your own. No, I would. I just I think that a lot of people they you know they want a younger uh, opening act maybe now and. Well, I'll tell you something. I went to go see Emmy Lou Harris um, perform in LA. Yeah. Um, Me too. Yeah. Favorite, and um, she was opening for Zoe Deschanel. Really? Emmy was. (laughs) Oh. And it was like a very sad, disconcerting disconcerting experience. And I noticed, you know, after Emmy Lou played, you know, all of her fans left. <laughs> right, right. You know, and young people looked at the old people like, who uh, are you? And I was like, she's one of the greatest yeah. musicians. Um, but it, but it, it was a interesting moment of, you know, perhaps she's getting new fans who didn't know about Maybe. her. Maybe, yeah, um, I hope so. I hope so, too. Yeah, but it yeah. was also such a 
such a, a funny moment where yeah. you think, Emily Harris is one of the greatest musicians yeah. of our time. And um, it's I mean, not I wonder what Zoe Deschanel said. Did, did you stay? Yeah, I stayed. Did um, she acknowledge? She did. Yeah. I, she absolutely did. Good. And I'm sure she chose her because right. she worships her. But I assume that's why. But it was a very f interesting yeah. moment. And I wondered career-wise what the thinking was behind Right. Well, it. I mean, I think, you, you know, for someone like that, she, I'm sure, had to swallow some pride to do it. But I, I don't know. I think of Emmy Lewis as someone who's, like, above pride. Me too. So, I think maybe it was strategic. And she yeah, wanted to get these whatever. young people. She may have uh, been embracing, yeah. you know, look, I am older. Yeah, and yeah. Here, are the, here are the new folks. And, yeah. and that's that. One of the greatest shows I ever heard was her uh, at South by Southwest. And we were really close because we had been at this one venue for a long time. And so we were, like, in the second row. And she was playing all these songs from her new record at that time. And, oh, man, just slayed me. And you've performed yeah. there as well. At South by Southwest, yeah. Is it yeah. a lot of fun? It is, yeah, yeah, it's madness. But you know, the most fun part about being there isn't playing, for me at least, it's just like going and seeing all this crazy music that you wouldn't necessarily get to see. So how much time do you spend um, seeing other people's music? Not much. That and that's part of why I like South By, because then I do. But yeah, I hardly ever go see another band, which is too bad. Is that a product of being a parent or living in an adobe shelter? <laughs> yes, it's, I think both. And, you know, and a product of just being a touring musician. It's like, you know, if there's other bands on the bill, we see them. But I'm not really going to spend my, my other nights going to see bands, probably. Because it's your work. It's your day job. Yeah. Is it fun to get away and tour in Europe? Um, yes, it is, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I have a good time touring in America, too, but, um, but there's something so exciting about being in, in these old cities, and we, we lived for a year on the island of Corsica, and, uh, You and wrote I, a book about it, 140 Goats and a Guitar. It was, the book is really accompanying your, um, music, the stories behind some kind of cure. Right. But it also, um, is a travelogue. Yeah, and uh, and while we were there, I I'm got letting to you know that just in case you didn't know what you wrote. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, so while I was there, I got to play a lot in Europe, and and you know, it's just this setting is really important to me always, and and you know, so if I go to like the same cities in America all the time, a certain level of of you know newness fades, and but in Europe, I don't get to go to those places very often, so it's it's amazing. I just imagine you pushing up this car up a. Yes. A very narrow hill. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what my whole year was like. <laughs> yeah, our little Twingo. David Berkeley, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Katie. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I'm Katie Lazarus. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Ian Mazoff for editing this. Thanks to Joe's Pub. And definitely come check out a live taping. They're every month at Joe's Pub. We're kicking off the season September 18th with Al Jaffe from Mad Magazine fame. So go to joespub.com to get tickets. And you can also go to employeeofthemonthshow.com to find out more. Talk to you soon. <laughs>